Welcome to the Wealth Academy podcast. Wealth is more than just money, where you will hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to become financially free, generate wealth, and legacy wealth. If you want to discover how to enhance your money mindset through strategies, tools, and techniques, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, Paul Lawrence Van, is a financial coach, two-time number one international best-selling author, course creator, and he has been assisting clients to enhance their understanding of money management to become debt-free, discover ways to build wealth, and to generate legacy wealth for over 18 years. Will you be next? Michael, how are you doing? Here is your host, Paul Lawrence Van. Fine, fine, Paul. How are you doing? Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. I'm very honored to be here. I'm honored to have you here and we're going to have a great time because you have the goods, you have the things that people are thinking about in the early part of 2022 in terms of looking at their financial goals, investments and more. So I'm going to read uh, Michael's bio here real quick and we're going to get started and get your notepads out because you're going to learn quite a bit. Well, first of all, Michael is a director at Altfest Personal Wealth Management Firm. And they are based in New York. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He graduated from Amherst College with, with a degree in Russian studies. Then he went on and received the MBA at the Stern School of Business at NYC. And that's not all. He also received his degree from Pace University as a certified financial planner. And this is just letting you all know to get those notepads out because you're going to learn a lot because Michael has about two decades of experience working with Altfest and he helps people to work with their different aspects of their investments and personal financial planning. So this is something you really want to pay attention to. So Michael, if you're ready, I'm ready and we're going to get into these questions. Sounds great. Let's go do it. All right. We're going to have a great time. Again, our topic is building a quality investment portfolio. Now, Michael, what is the genesis for you becoming a wealth management expert? This is something that not everyone does everything, but what was the inspiration for you? Well, I guess it was a few things. Um, I mean, all my family, I've been very fortunate in that all my family has been involved in finance one way or the other. So my father was a banker. Um, and also my grandfather, uh, one of my uncles was a stockbroker, is a stockbroker. Um, oh, uh, and another, another uncle was in insurance. So I always had personal finance talking about various aspects of money and finance since I was a little kid. And then I also saw that how people who manage their money well were able to take care of their families and achieve their important goals. And then people who made either accidents or didn't have that knowledge could be really seriously hampered by that. And I wanted to help. Well, that's wonderful because again, that's a generational uh, type type of upbringing. And I think it's just wonderful because you have your eyes on the prize. I think that's very important. And like you stated, that uh, it takes work to do what, what you do. And you've seen it over the years, which I think is just wonderful. So uh, thank you so much for that. Now, you also, as I mentioned before, the director of Altfest Personal Wealth Management. What is their mission and how does your company serve its clients? That's a good question. Well, I mean, our mission basically is to help our clients achieve their important life and family goals. In optim- and we do that by optimizing all areas of their personal financial lives. 
not just their investments, which tends to get the most attention, but all the different areas that you can think related to personal finance. And we do it in a way that is completely objective, transparent to the client, and always puts our client's interest first, beyond in front of the interests of ourselves and the company at all times. Uh, that's wonderful because again, a lot of times when you have clients, they don't know the intricacies of investing and looking at their personal finances and bring an expert in to guide them is really one of the keys to helping them to achieve their financial goals as well. So uh, that's definitely something uh, people can really count on uh, when they invest with a with experts at Altfest Personal Wealth Management. Now, again, we're in the infancy of 2022. My God, I mean, the time is really going by fast. What is the best approach for prospective and seasoned investors to take to establish wealth creation investments this year? Well, that's that's a, a very good question. And definitely it's January, so it's the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. We've got a, people uh, wanna do New Year's resolutions and start the year off right. So here's some things to consider. Before we even get to the actual specific investments, you want to kind of make sure that you have your financial house in order. So some of the things that I would put out there is to, one, make sure that you have a sufficient emergency fund, you know, in case, you know, you lose your job or your spouse loses your job or you get into an accident, you know, that can range at a very minimum of three months uh, of of living expenses Mm -hmm. all the way up to, let's say, six, nine, even 12 months, depending on how um volatile your job situation is absolutely a second thing uh would be to pay down any high interest debt if you have it you know if you have high interest credit card debt that you've used because you really needed to to purchase something or you wanted to um you want to pay it off as soon as possible because the credit cards aren't really doing you any favors by giving you a break on the interest rate those rates can be really really high so you want to get that high interest rate down as much as possible Third, once you've gotten that taken care of, you want to contribute to your company's retirement plan. If you work for a company that has like a 401k or a 403b, and it, uh, which is a type of retirement plan that allows you to put money away on a tax deferred basis, you don't pay the taxes now, it's shielded from taxes till you take it out. And especially if your company offers you a matching component, meaning that for every dollar you put into the retirement plan, they might give you an, a dollar free or 50 yeah. cents free up to a certain ceiling. You definitely want to take advantage of that because that's basically free money. Yes, added value. Exactly. And the good thing is also you don't have to worry if you're self-employed or you have your own small business, uh, you can create your own workplace retirement plan. So you don't have to worry like if you're working for yourself or you have your own little company, you're thinking, well, I don't have one. You have the power to create your own and yeah. choose the one that works best for you and your employees if you have them. Yes, so that's a win-win, especially for the people who are working full-time and entrepreneurs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. In fact, you could even be working for a company and have a side hustle and you'd be able to put some money away into a work into a retirement plan for your side hustle. Yeah, and I think that's what's happening when we see the great resignation that a lot of people are leaving the jobs, they have enough to start a business. And these are the type of concepts that they inherit they they want to do this because they want to depend on themselves exactly exactly um you want to put that money away for for a rainy day and then you want to grow it over time so that you can achieve financial freedom as soon as possible and then you'll be able to do as do what you want to do whenever you want to do it which i know a 
a lot of people uh, always have those goals to do exactly what they want to do. And, and you're, you're doing the work now to get the payoff later. Yes, um, looking at it from the long term. Yeah. Another thing for 2022 at the beginning of the year to be thinking about is think about whether your investment goals, uh, or not, not even just investment goals, broadening it out, your life goals, your family goals, yes. uh, or your time horizon for your investments have changed. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you've changed the things that are most important to you that you're trying to save and invest your money for, then you might want to change the composition of your investment portfolio. Or if your time horizon has changed or some new goal has jumped in, let's say you want to put a down payment on a house and you're not just saving for retirement, then maybe you're going to have certain investments that have a different time horizon to pay for the down payment on the house and other investments that will have a longer time horizon, maybe for planning for retirement. Absolutely. That, that's a really uh, a great recommendation right there, because uh, really, if a person is not within that retirement age, uh, working with a company, uh, it's looking at the long haul. It's all about the long haul. You know, the, the more the earlier one invests, the more they will have at the end because of the compound interest. Exactly. But, but for the most part, um, people uh, really need to focus in on the long haul, and it's not a overnight success, if you will, for the for the financial goals. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're going to put in the work, and then you're going to get yeah. the benefits later. But if you put in the work, you will get those benefits. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you for that, Michael. Now, what are some common mistakes people make? Because we know they make them. But when it comes to making investment, what are some of the mistakes they made and how can they avoid them today as well as in the future? Sure, sure. Um, um, people make lots of different types of mistakes. And I understand because, you know, it's not that they're making them uh, because they didn't study for the test. It's just exactly. that, you know, if you're not if you're not working in this business, you don't know the mistakes to avoid. Um, yeah. You're not an expert in investments. No one expects you to be. And so it's easy to fall into common traps. Correct. So one of them, which gets uh, a lot of, which some of your audience might have heard, is trying to time the market. Now, yeah. this is when you're trying to invest uh, at, when you think is the right time when things are really going to do well. So, for example, you might say, I think the economy is going to do really well soon. I think I think stocks are going to go up. I think bonds are going to go up. So I'm going to put money in a lot of stocks right now because I think stocks are going to do well in the next year. Now, sure. maybe they will, but maybe they won't. And any any investment professional or financial professional who tells you that they know what's going to happen in the next 12 months uh -huh. really is uh, selling you a bill of goods. No one has a crystal ball. And while we might be able to predict what investments will do over a longer time period, let's say roughly over five to seven years, you can say on average stocks might behave like this or bonds might behave like that. In, in a one year time frame, it's so short that anything could happen. You might, it, they might go really up, they might go really down, or, or they might be very neutral. So you don't want to, you know, load up on stocks when you're feeling positive. And conversely, you don't want to sell all your stocks when things are going down and you think it's the end of the world. I can't take the stress. I better get out while I can. Buying and selling when you think are the right times for the market to behave in a certain way is a great way to lose money. In fact, that's one of the ways that we at Altfest help our clients the most is when the markets are very volatile and clients are calling us up and saying, oh my gosh, the markets are going down 10, 15, 20%. I think I should sell everything. I can't take this. And we try to calm them down, kind of talk them off the ledge 
and say, you know, wait a minute, what are your goals? Are, are your goals and do your goals end after one year? Is the one year mark is when you'll decide whether the finish line was positive or, or not? No, your goals tend to be much longer. So you want to give the investments time to grow and there'll always be periodic downturns, but you don't want to you don't want to let the temporary headlines cloud your thinking. Realize that, like you said, you want to have your eyes on the prize. The eyes on the right. prize is retirement. That could be right. 10, 20, 30 years away. You want to make sure your portfolio, it will do and it will do well in the 10, 20, or 30 years if exactly. you don't make any sudden moves and treat it with care, but don't let your emotions control it, control your actions. Absolutely, because unfortunately, a lot of people, especially when it comes to stocks, that they they're assuming that they're becoming overnight success because they're reading the newspaper, you know, looking online and a lot of people are saying how much success they're having. But it's really all about the long run. Uh, let's say if they put in for a stock, invest in some stock, even if they hold it for five years, that's a lot better than putting it in for a year and a half and taking it out, <laughs> you know, cashing out. Exactly, exactly. In fact, there's there's one statistic that's that sits in my mind a lot, which when I when I talk to clients, which is that. You know, um, Morningstar, which is a uh -huh. investment research company, exactly. they did an analysis and they looked at the time period between 1999 and 2018. So roughly about 20 years. And they saw the S&P 500 index, yes. uh, which is large cap U.S. growth stocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, large cap U.S. stocks, some growth, some value. And they saw that over that 19, 20 year period, the there was an annualized rate of return of about 5.6%. Yes. But uh -huh. then they noticed that if you if you if you got out of the market because you were afraid and then took a while to get back into the market and you <laughs> missed just the top 10 performing most best performing days. Yes. Then if you miss the top 10 performing days over those 19 or 20 years, your annualized return would have gone down from about 5.6% to about 2%. Wow. Can you imagine that? So you just missed the 10 best days and already your performance <laughs> takes such a big hit. So you don't know when the days are going to be great. You don't know when the days are going to be terrible. So you really want to ride out the storm and, exactly. and be able to get out of the hole by, by investing for the long term. Yeah, great, great recommendations. And as you stated, it's all about the research that you do. And that's what you do with, with your personal wealth management uh, company. Uh, you all do the research for your customers and for your clients. And exactly. so take that burden off of their hands and get them to relax a little bit. And I know that's not easy when money is involved. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And another another common mistake that clients make, um, which again is very natural if you're yeah. not working in the industry, is people tend to naturally think that what has done very well recently is going to continue to do very well in the future. So. We have a lot of clients who say, especially at this time of year, they, they look at their portfolio and they say, Mike, in 2021, you know, these types of investments did really well. So exactly. why don't we put more, much more of them in the portfolio in 2022? And these investments that did pretty poorly in 2022, let's get rid of them. You know, we don't really need them. What, what are they doing in the portfolio? But mm -hmm. people often don't realize that different types of investments perform differently different under rates. different market conditions. Yes, different so, industries. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you want to have a diverse set of investments that will naturally behave differently 
when under the same market conditions. And that's why some will be doing well in one year, others will be doing well in another year. So for example, in 2020, you know, international stocks did really, really well, mm -hmm. um, phenomenally well. We had yeah. a lot of clients who said, oh my gosh, let's, let's just put more and more and more in there because I want some more of that greatness. And we said, no, 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 no. We, we, we strongly believe in international, but right. you, you don't want to have too much in it because right. if we don't do well, your portfolio is going to really get hurt. And right. so in 2021, international stocks did actually not very well. You know, they actually were positive to slightly negative, depending on how you looked at it. So the thing is, don't look in the rear view mirror to see what's done well and assume it'll do well in the future. You want to have that diversified portfolio Absolutely. of all different types that will do well at different times. Right. When one is not doing well, the other is. And so it creates that balance out there for them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank exactly. you for that. that. That was really a great example as well. So, and uh, if I can, um, oh, go ahead, please. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Paul. Oh, no, no problem. Um, take the uh, listening audience down Main Street, Mike. In other words, for those people who are not as seasoned and understanding and, and conducted self-research for investing. In other words, how does one build a quality investment portfolio that will potentially last for them? Sure. Very good question. First of all, uh, we, we after we've covered all the stuff that we talked about previously in terms yeah. of, you know, paying down debt and so on, yeah. you want to you first want to think about what target asset allocation do you want to have for your investment portfolio? And by target asset allocation, I mean, what is the target you would like to have for stock based investments? Sure. And what's the target percentage of your portfolio you'd like to have for bond based investments? Right. So, for example, you might want to have 65 percent in stock based investments and mm -hmm. roughly 35% in bond-based investments. And why is this important? Because that, that investment portfolio will have a different risk profile, a different amount of volatility that that portfolio will have versus if you have a portfolio with 80% of stocks in the portfolio okay. and only 20% of bonds. So first you have to choose what is the target asset allocation percentage of stocks to bonds that you feel comfortable with mm -hmm. over time that you can handle because you know that stocks go down about one on every, on average, one out of every four years. Exactly. So there are going to be times when stocks are down and it's a question of how much down can you take and have a strong stomach and not feel like you're going to want to sell out when right. things are going down because you just can't take it anymore. But rather you say, okay, it's gone down. Uh -huh. I was expecting that stocks don't go straight up all every single year, but that's okay. I'm not really using that money. It's for the medium to long-term goals and I'm going to ride out the storm and I'm okay with that loss because it's a temporary loss. I always like to say it's only a loss when you sell it and then lock it in. Otherwise, exactly. it's just a paper number and that number changes over time. Yeah, and then there are some tax implications as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Once That's you what they it, have to be careful about. There are very big tax implications which you mm -hmm. want to protect yourself against. Another, the next thing you want to do some important factors to consider for your portfolio is, like we said, the power of diversification. Yes. You want to have a variety of different types of stocks. You want to have a variety of different types of bonds. So, mm -hmm. for example, you want to have stocks of different sizes, small, medium and large capitalization right. companies. You right. want to have international stocks as well as domestic stocks. You mm -hmm. want to have stocks that are focused on growth oriented stocks versus value oriented stocks. So yeah. you want to have very different because they behave differently uh, with the same type of market conditions. They can behave very differently. And like I said, when one's doing strong, 
the other one will be weak. And then when, when one gets weak, it's like a, it's like a relay race. One passes the baton to the next runner and then stocks take the lead. You also want to have things like different types of bonds. You could have treasury bonds, corporate bonds, inflation protected securities, uh, asset backed bonds, you know, um, all international bonds, whether it's, uh, you know, international sovereign debt or private company debt, all these different bonds, again, will behave differently with the same type of market condition. Another thing to consider is, like I was saying, growth versus value investing. Yes. Neither one is right all the time. There are times when value invest value philosophy does very, very well. And then Uh times when growth philosophy is doing very well. You know, value investing is basically meaning when you want to buy things that you think are selling for less than their intrinsic worth. So you're buying at a discount and then you think that you'll wait till the market realizes the true worth of the investment and it will go up. And then growth stocks are when investments that are doing very well currently and you think that they will continue to do very well above the market average over the foreseeable future. So, for example, like the Amazons of the world or the Alibaba's of the world. Mm-hmm. And we recommend to have a diversified pool of investments. We tend to be a more value-oriented investment firm. We uh-huh. tend to look at things where there's we buy at a discount with a significant discount to their market value. So we have a good kish, cushion in case the volatility temporarily goes down. But we are willing to buy growth-oriented stocks if we can get them at a reasonable price. Yes. And I'm pretty sure uh, clients, they're probably... Uh, they get a little nervous. <laughs> exactly. It's... it's, it's it, that, that their uh, value is going down, they want to pull it out. And then when it's going up, they want to just, like you said, drop more in there, invest more. So uh, it's a, a matter of having that, uh, that uh, balance and listen to the professionals, let the professionals handle that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then you want to consider, you know, there's active investing versus passive investing. Passive. You know, right. Active investing where, you know, active managers are taking an active role in choosing the investments and doing all the analysis and thinking this is a good time to have this type of investment, building a diversified portfolio and so forth, where we actively make, you know, buys and sell calls to optimize the portfolio based on our outlook on the economy and the markets. Passive investing is basically just, you know, buying an index. And I always like to say, you know, you can do that if you want, but basically you'll float along like a, a, a cork, a bobber in the ocean. And when the market's doing well, you'll float up. When the market's doing terribly, you'll, you'll float down terribly. Whereas an active manager is trying to beat the benchmarks over a reasonable time period, over a full economic cycle, not just do the market averages, but do beyond the market averages. Exactly. So it would behoove uh, some customers before they come to you to also have some self-knowledge as well, to learn a little bit about the markets before they actually uh, engage, correct? That's correct. That's definitely correct. We, we are an actively managed wealth management firm. We actively manage the portfolio based on our outlook on the, on the economy and the markets. And we meet, the, we meet the, the, the investment managers of the various types of investments. And we okay. will make certain calls in order to optimize and beat the benchmarks over a full economic cycle, which is usually about five to seven years. Okay. Yeah, that, that's really good. That's really good. So at least a person, if they have that five to seven year window, uh, they're going to come out of pretty good. Pretty exactly, good. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, you know, if you're in order to have strong investments, like you were saying, to have um, investments that are going to be a quality investment portfolio, you yeah. really want to either do the research and, and you know, research mutual funds, research yeah. the ETFs, 
research the individual stocks and bonds. There are resources that you can use. For example, you know, Morningstar, which I talked about, you know, Yahoo Finance, uh -huh. Value Line, which is a great database for analyzing individual stocks, yeah. Yeah. various brokerage sites like, you know, whether it's at uh, Fidelity or Charles Schwab or yeah. TD Ameritrade. Um, uh -huh. Another great resource is the American Association of Individual Investors, which has a lot of great knowledge on how to research investments to choose them yourself. Yeah. It yeah. does take a lot of time, though. So I always say um, people always will say, um, you know, how do I know whether I want to do it myself or not? You know, if you want to do it yourself, you can, but you really need to have a lot of time because it's a lot of research and a lot of patience. <laughs> you want to have a lot of patience, right? You also want to get a lot of experience under your belt because it's easy to get, you know, spooked by the markets until you have at least several years under your belts to understand how the markets operate. You also want to have some ability because just like, you know, I'm not a painter. I'm not going to be Michelangelo uh, anytime, no matter how much I try to paint. Certain people have a natural ability towards finance and numbers, investments. And then even if you have the time and the ability, you also um, want to have um, the interest. You know, yeah. you want to have the interest, you want to have the ability, and you want to have the time to actually do the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. And I think the people who went down Main Street, they ran into a few green lights, yellow lights, and red lights. <laughs> that, that was a great... Uh, uh, example uh, that you provided, which I know is going to help a lot of people. So thank you. My pleasure. Mike, you're also a certified financial planner. Why should listeners hire a CFP to work for them rather than go it alone? And I think part of it, you just referred to that. Sure, exactly. Well, I would say that, you know, like I said, if you wanted to go it alone, it can be done, but you really have to put forth the effort, right? Effort, you yeah. can't just kind of do it as a hobby because this is your money you're talking about, right? Absolutely. You can't kind of dabble in it. You can't read. Like I, I asked one person who was a prospective client and I, he said, oh, I'm doing it myself. I'm, I'm very happy I'm doing it myself. I said, how many hours do you spend on your investments and your exactly. personal financial planning in all the different areas a month? And he sure. said, well, you know, I read, uh, you know, uh, Kiplinger's personal finance uh, uh -huh. when it comes out. I probably spend, you know, at least three or four hours a month on this. Ooh, and I said, well, enough. that's nice. But, you know, that is kind of dabbling. That's, that's kind a, of like a hobby. That's a hobby. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, go, if you needed heart surgery, you wouldn't go to a heart surgeon who did this like three or four hours a month. You would exactly. want to go to the heart surgeon who does operation after operation after operation and really gets it to like a fine a finely grooved machine yeah. and so if you have the time and the ability and the interest more power and you want to do it yourself i'd say more power to you knock yourselves out however for most of us you want to find a professional and the cfp or certified financial planner mm -hmm. is the gold standard for, for personal financial exactly. planning in, in order to be industry standards Yes, exactly, exactly. And people say, well, what's so special about a CFP? Why is that the gold standard of personal financial planning designations? And I say because of what you have to do to get the designation. Exactly. You, know, you have to complete the education coursework, which has about you know six classes on all the different areas of personal finance. Plus, you have a capstone class, which integrates all the different areas where basically you create a personal financial plan for a fictitious family to make sure all of their areas of personal finance are optimized and it's reviewed by a panel of cfp experts 
You also have to pass a rigorous six hour one day examination and you have to have three years of qualified work experience that's related to the personal financial planning process. Only then can you call yourself a CFP. So CFPs are educated, experienced and knowledgeable about all the different areas uh, of personal financial planning. So they, they've kind of got your back no matter what life throws at you on the finance side. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was a great example uh, that you provided. For example, with me, I have 40 hours of accounting. I've worked in an accounting firm before, but when it comes to taking a CPA, I just have not convinced myself to take the test. <laughs> right, exactly. So exactly. You, have, you have to be ready for it. So I have a, a follow-on question to this, Mike, and it's this. What are a few of the key things one should look for when choosing a financial advisory firm to represent them? Because again, having that firm is a team. And so they actually bring in, cover more data, more research, and they're talking to more of the uh, people who are in the financial arena. Sure. In fact, that's a great question because, um, you know, many people naturally wouldn't know how do you, how do you find a good financial advisor or financial advisory firm that, that could be good for you? A couple of things to look at. Uh, this won't be comprehensive, but some of the key things are you want to ask um, the people that you're interviewing at the firm, you know, what's your education in the personal finance? What's your experience? Like we were talking about with the CFP, like how many years of experience do you have doing this type of work? You know, sure. what education have you garnered to help you get the knowledge in order to help others with their personal finances? Mm-hmm. You also want to ask the, the financial advisory firm, you know, what services do they provide? Many firms will just provide investment knowledge, and that's that's good, but uh-huh. that's a start. You know, you want to have ideally a firm that focuses on comprehensive wealth management that yeah. can help you in all the different areas of personal finance. You know, whether that's uh, questions related to tax, questions related to estate planning, questions related to when's the best time to take my social security. You know, exactly. all these different areas. Because I know, and I know that some of our clients, they really like the fact that we don't kind of say, uh, uh, like one client I was speaking to about a week ago was saying it's kind of refreshing to work with us because when he was working with his old financial advisor, he would ask a question about tax or he'd ask a question about, you know, estate planning or insurance. And they would say, oh, sorry, I really can't help you there. I just do investments. So So in other words, uh, he basically had uh, really a cookie cutter type firm he was working with. He didn't have a specialized investment firm. Well, right. He, he was just focused on investments right. and anything you ask outside of investments, he was not able to, to help you. So the, our client likes that we're kind of like a one-stop shop for exactly. people's financial lives and they can feel comfortable to ask anything that they would like. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. So for everyone who's out there and you're taking notes, uh, what you just heard is what you need to write down. Another thing that I would say, Paul, or some other things are you want to hire a a financial advisory firm that adheres to a fiduciary standard. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. A fiduciary standard means that that person is the the advisory firm and those advisors are legally required to put the client's interest first all the time. You want a financial. In fact, some financial advisors, they only put their financial, their clients first some of the time. So you really want to say. Are you legally required and would you be willing to put in writing that you're that you will always put my interests first 100 percent of the time? Most advisors, uh, you'd be surprised, uh, Paul, but most advisors do not put their clients uh, uh, interests first 100 percent of the time. I'd say only about 
five to 10% do it 100% of the time. Right. So if you ask them to sign a piece of paper that says 100%, you're going to see a lot of people running for the door. But you want 100% because you don't want to be worrying like, are they putting the, the company's interest first or their personal financial gain first in front of me and my family? I know with my family, it's so important to me. I really want to make sure that whosoever I work with, they're going to always have my interest first. Absolutely. Another thing that's important is how are they compensated? Yes. We, we advocate a fee-only compensation structure. And people say, well, fee-only, what does that mean, Mike? Uh -huh. Well, that basically means that you, the only fees you pay are the fees that you transparently, clearly see that you are paying directly to the advisory firm. There are uh -huh. no commissions. There are uh -huh. no referral fees. There's nothing, you know, hidden from view. You are being paid a straight fee for the services rendered either on an hourly basis or on a, a percentage of the assets that we manage for you basis. But you never have to worry that there's anything that you're not being aware of. The fee is transparent, it's clear, and it's simple to you. Uh -huh. So that that uh, makes it um, as risky as investing in stock. If they're only a uh, can handle one area and they don't have the comprehensive uh, overview and resources that a firm such as Altfest has. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and of course, you, it makes it riskier. Exactly. And of course, you can always review a firm's what they call an ADV, a form ADV, right. which is the firm that the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, requires all right. firms to have uh -huh. to explain things like, you know, the compensation structure, the services that they provide, and especially the disciplinary history of the advisors. You oh, don't right. want some advisors. Most advisors are good. But some okay. advisors, we know in every group, there's some bad apples and you want yeah. to be a, steer away from those bad apples. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. To, to be forewarned is to be forewarned. <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at uh, your company's outlook on the markets and economy as we start 2022. We know at this point in time, in the early infancy of the new year, a lot of people are looking at financial goals. They're looking down the line. So when it comes to your company, Altfest, what is that outlook on the markets and the economy as we start this new year? Sure, sure, exactly. So like I said, no no one has a crystal ball and right. anyone who says they have one run run far away from them. But exactly. but you by but by researching all the knowledge and seeing what's going on with the economy and the markets and various yeah. data that data databases that we subscribe to, we 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 see things in a certain way. So on the economy, uh -huh. we're we're cautiously optimistic on sure. the economy. You know, last year, the U.S. gross domestic product was is predicted to be about 5.6%, which is very, very good. Very, very good. Exactly. We expect the gross domestic product this year to not be, still be good, but not be as good as 2021. So we expect about, let's say, 35 to 4% growth in the U.S. economy, which is still much better than the roughly 2% growth that the U.S. economy was seeing before the coronavirus uh, uh, happen. Happen exactly. We we also uh, one of the things that we think is going to reduce the growth this year versus last year is that you know coronavirus is going to be the the you know omicron is going right. to be reducing consumers enthusiasm reduce consumers enthusiasm I should say for spending on services. You know when when people are kind of more inside, you're not going, you're not traveling as much. You're not going to be going to uh, restaurants as much. That reduces yeah. the, the value of those services in the economy. Sure. We do know on, on the positive side, expect these shortages of goods to be reducing as 2020 progresses. So we know that there have been a lot of 
you know, supply chain bottlenecks, which have caused prices to be going up. And we do expect those to to reduce as the year progresses. Um, Actually, the supply chain bottlenecks and also the fact that we're at near full full employment in the U.S. for people who want a job is those two things are causing inflation to to pick up. And inflation is going to be a big concern in 2022. In, at the end of 2021, inflation, you know, November, December was roughly, you know, in the 6%, 6%, yeah. 7% range, which is the highest it's been in like nearly 40 years. Yeah, and that's when uh, President Reagan, when he came exactly, in, and exactly. uh, on mortgages were in the teens. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, 1982, things yeah. like that, uh, you know, double digit uh, inflation, double digit interest rates. And so what the Federal Reserve is going to be trying to do this year is to lower inflation, um, but not cause a recession. So it's kind of a balancing act. They want to reduce um, inflation, but that will reduce the growth of the economy, but they don't want to do it so much that we we spill into a recession. So the Federal Reserve is going to be having a balancing act. We do expect some interest rate increases in 2022. They could come starting as early as March. And we also, the Federal Reserve has telegraphed to the markets and the investors that they plan to reduce uh, over time the amount of bonds that they're purchasing on the open market. Exactly. So they're going to be reducing the amount of money supply that's within the market. Yeah. Um, and so nowadays, it's more of a global aspect. What, what what the way and direction that the United States goes, the rest of the world goes. Right, right. And you yeah. also want to keep you want to keep in track what other economies are doing with their uh, inflation rates that their central banks are setting. Um, um, but right now, so far, uh, the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve, knock on wood, has, yeah. has been doing a pretty good job in terms of trying to you want to trying to fulfill its both mandates of good unemployment. So people have yeah. jobs, but not runaway inflation. So people's purchasing power doesn't disappear. Exactly. Absolutely. Th- those are some great insights. And again, as you stated, it's not necessarily a crystal ball, but it's some of the indicators that are out there that have been researched and that has happened over years, several years. Exactly. And on the market side, to let you know how we're viewing the markets as opposed to the economy, you know, we're seeing that right now, you know, U.S. stock valuations are very high. You know, there's a, a, a valuation metric, which some of your uh, viewers and listeners may have heard of. It's called the price to earnings ratio. Yes. And uh-huh. it's the, the price that you're willing to pay for every dollar of a company's earnings. And right uh-huh. now, uh, for U.S. stocks on average, it's a P.E. ratio of about 21, which okay. is much higher and its historical average of about 16. And sure. this is due in partly because of the low interest rates, which are causing people not to be very interested in bonds as an investment because they, they sure. pay so little. They're be putting more right. money into stocks and raising the prices of those stocks. Right. So because of that, you know, technology stocks also have very, very high valuations. Oh, so sure. they did very well in 2021. We uh-huh. don't expect technology stocks to do as well in 2022 compared to other regular stocks, I would say, that have a good profit outlook. We expect the regular stocks with good profit outlooks to do better than technology stocks on average. We also expect value stocks, we think that they'll perform on average better than the growth stocks in 22 because again, they're much more reasonably priced and they're often tend to be more cyclical stocks, which will do better when the economy is doing better. So we think value stocks have more room to grow but the valuations of growth are so lofty that they're kind of priced in for only good news. And if some bad news starts happening, their prices could start coming down. 
We yeah. also, on the valuation level in the markets, we like international stocks. Like mm -hmm. I said, we have a significant component in international. And why is that? That's because we see that the valuations, the price that you will have to pay for every dollar of earnings of international stocks is much lower, much more competitively priced than internet than U.S. stocks. Which domestic, uh -huh. mm -hmm. And especially in we're, in we're bullish on Asia. So Asian yeah. companies on the technology side and the consumer product side that are focused on on consumers. We think that those will be doing well. Uh, in yeah. 2022, and even even if there's some temporarily downturn in the market, solid solid um, countries as well as far as the economy goes. Exactly, you know, China, you know, yeah, South Asia, mm -hmm. Korea, you know, Japan, India, yeah. and so forth. Mm -hmm. And even if there's some temporary hiccups in the market, and the some stocks don't do very well in in, in a year. Don't give don't don't lose the faith, because if you're able to buy them at attractive prices and then sure. hold them until people's rational side comes back and people see that, wow, that these things really are at a steel price. I'm going to buy some of them, too, and their prices will get bid up to what they're really worth. And then when it hits your target sell price, we can then sell them. Got it. That is awesome. I tell you, this is really a remarkable uh, assessment that you've made here, and we really appreciate it. I know the uh, Wealth Academy podcast community appreciate it. So, Michael, we're our time is coming to an end. I can't even believe it. I've, I've had so much fun. Is there anything else you would like to share at this time, your contact information, upcoming programs, etc.? Sure. Well, one, I just wanted to say again, Paul, thank you so much for sure. uh, having me on the, uh, the podcast. It's a great honor to be here, and I know that you do a lot of great work spreading a lot of knowledge uh, to, to your audience, and so thank you for all your service uh, to helping your audience community get stronger in so many different ways. Like you said, it's not wealth. Wealth is not just about money. It's about all the different, all the different types of wealth, so thank you for that. I, yeah. I did want to say one thing, and then I'll okay. give you some contact information, which okay. is that when people think about personal finance, they tend to just think about investments investments is for lack of a better word like the sexy thing everyone's talking about it it's on the television it's but, but there are there are many many other areas of personal finance which people need to consider um, in order to make sure that they're all optimized so it's kind of like a car you know investments might be the engine but all the other different parts of personal finance are you know the steering wheel the doors the the heater the wheels everything else so you want to make sure that other things are being optimized. So for example, you want to be like, are you on track to retire when you want to retire in the lifestyle that, that you would like? That's retirement analysis. Exactly. You know, are you saving for your children's ed in education in the That's most tax efficient right. manner? Uh -huh. you know, are you taking advantage of all the relevant tax savings opportunities focused right. on the tax? You know, uh -huh. Do you have like the right types of insurance to protect your assets and your family against important risks? Yeah. And if you do, are those insurance policies optimized for your specific life situation and that of your family? Exactly. In terms of it's transferring wealth. Oh, pardon me for interrupting you, Paul. It's when, in terms of transferring wealth, when you, um, you have an estate plan so right. that you have the documents that will help you transfer your wealth to the people you want to transfer it to in the way you think best and in the most tax efficient manner. And another thing that this isn't a comprehensive list by any means sure. is you want to like, what about Social Security? Uh, right. What's the best benefit claiming strategy for you? And I could go on and on and on. So you see that there are all these different types of things beyond investments 
that your personal financial advisor should be able to advise you on. And I would say that, you know, anyone uh, in terms of contact information, sure. anyone who is interested in, in uh, reaching out to us and wants to learn more about our services and how we potentially might be able to help them, probably you could definitely either, you know, contact me at um, mprendergast uh -huh. at altfest.com. Yes. Um, or what's even easier, because who knows how to spell Prendergast, uh, let's be honest, <laughs> is, is you can go to um, email us at inquiry, inquiry at altfest.com. That's okay. A-L-T-F-E-S-T.com. And I would say if you put it in the inquiry, which is the easiest, I would just address it address it to one of my colleagues, Jesse. Okay. And Jesse, that you heard about, you, you, you heard from Mike. And when Mike and Paul were talking on yep. the Wealth Academy podcast, and Mike said that I should talk to you about learning about Altfest and how we potentially could help you. And that's Jesse. Is that J-E-S-S-I-E? -S -S Actually, that's a great question. It's Jesse, J-E-S-S-E. -S Got it. Got it. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. He's one of my colleagues and he will definitely, he's, he's a very knowledgeable in his own right. And he will definitely start you on the path to learning about Altfest where we can have a complimentary discussion learn about your personal situation, what's your, what are your important key life and financial goals, and, and show you how we can help if we can. If we can't, we'll try to point you towards resources which will be able to help you. Exactly. Well, I, I want to say this, Michael, is that you really made a strong case for people to sit down and really think about what they want to do financially, having financial goals. What I always say is that when a person aligns their finances with their life, they are living their best life possible. And instead of uh, trying to figure it out, do something about it. But, and I, I think tonight's interview is one where people can really take a look at it and really assess what they need to do to try to hit some targets on some financial goals, you know, in the, in the interim at this current time and towards the end of this year, the first quarter, second quarter, on and on. So I, I really thank you and appreciate all that you provided, so much content-rich value that you provided here uh, this evening, uh, representing Altfest Personal Wealth Management. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Paul. Like I said, it's been great speaking with you. Um, well, like I said, it's I've really enjoyed it and um, look forward to doing it maybe in the future. But uh, all okay. the best to you and your family and, and just, just stay well and keep doing what you're doing because you're really helping so many people. All right. Thank you so much. And you did a great job here this evening pro providing just a wealth of knowledge. So thank, thank you very much. And I look forward to having you on again, Michael. So thank you very much. All the yeah. best. Be well. Okay. Same to you. And uh, for all of our viewers and the people who will listen on the archive, we thank you for taking out the time to listen, to view, and to also help you to, most important, help you to better understand and I think there's no greater resource from doing that than contacting Michael Prendergast. He, he, as you can see through this particular video and this audio that he did just a great job explaining this, I felt like I was getting a PhD in investing tonight and how to set up that, that quality investment portfolio. So uh, thank you again, Michael. And uh, for everyone, I thank you for your time. And look forward to the next episode that we have with Wealth Academy Podcast. Thank you one and all, and have a great evening and continued excellence in all that you do. Michael, have a great evening, my friend, and I look forward to interviewing you again in the future. Thank you so much, Paul. Uh, have a great evening as well, my friend, and, and, and be well and be safe.
Okay, thank you. And for everyone, go to uh, Apple Podcasts, rate and review uh, Michael uh, Prendergast episode. And uh, that will be episode 178. And I will have this coming to you uh, tomorrow for all the viewers and, and for all the listeners. Thank you all so much. Have a great evening. Again, my name is Paul Lawrence Van. And again, we were graced and honored by the presence of Michael Prendergast. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Wealth Academy Podcast. Please subscribe and rate this episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. To get you or someone you know assessed for Paul's online financial freedom courses or money coaching, in addition to resources associated with this podcast, email paul at info at paulvanspeaks.com.